Hey there, good people in crypto land. I'm Matt Lysing, and this is my podcast, Decent People. Welcome back to the conversation. Today, we've got a special episode. Maybe we should um, change the name to Decent Days. That's a film project that we've been working on at The Central, where we are chronicling um, a life in the day, uh, a day in the life, that is, um, of folks in Web3. And we're really happy to be featuring Ruben Rojas um, in this episode. What we did is a Spaces um, kind of conversation where we, we got Ruben um, to come join us and we talked about the film that we made. Um, and in a nutshell, that's that's really where he tells uh, an, inf- an unflinching story about the crushing lows um, that came to his life um, before he finally kind of found his passion to follow his art. Um, uh, over the years, uh, his art's been appearing in dozens of murals in fine art galleries around the world and has been featured in collaborations with an impressive list of major brands. Uh, Ruben also dropped uh, some NFTs and had a successful launch um, to expand his reach uh, into the Web3 world. So all that being said, um, here is the episode from the spaces that we did and uh, the film uh, you can watch on our website. It comes out today, uh, Thursday, January 25th. So uh, this is Decent Days. It'll be uh, coming out periodically here from Decentral Media. Thanks for your um, attention as always and your interest and go check out that film. I'll start. Um, thank you, Stephen. Thanks for um, speaking so we can all actually know this is working. Um, this is, I'm for Neil sure. the, with the Central Media. My partner, Matt Lysing, is also on. Um, as much as we've been doing the editorial and podcasts, we've been trying to do more short films. We've done some stuff with Peter McCormack. We've done some stuff with Will Foxley. And our most recent is a series called Decent Days, where, as, if, as you may know, we at the Central are more primarily focused on the human side of things, the people that are actually building and doing cool stuff in the Web3 space. Uh, and one of our ideas is to actually go out and see what their days are like. What a day in the life of someone that's been that's done uh, work in Web3. Um, and Stephen, you had Ruben on your podcast a while back. And when we first started developing these ideas, quickly mentioned that he'd be a great candidate to kick these off. Uh, and you were right. I spent a couple of days um, with Stephen. I'm sorry, with Ruben, filming, uh, interviewing him about what he does and what he's been doing with his art, which is a pretty amazing story. Um, definitely a uh, a story of the ups and downs of of life, but also um, what it means when you finally figure out what you're supposed to do with your with your art and your creativity. Um, and uh, Ruben, I I, th- I assume you've seen the short, which should be coming out tomorrow. Uh, it's all very exciting for us. It was great to hang out with you and see what your day is like. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I, I, if you could quickly just do it, give us a little synopsis, uh, of your, um, we'll get to your life in art, but, um, talk about your experience with NFTs and, and web three, how that experiment went. Uh, if you plan on doing any more, uh, work in the space. Yeah, I mean, can we be polarizing and say, what is the state of the NFT space right now? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. totally different. But now, again, when you're an artist, when you're a creator, and you have an opportunity to have a message that lands with people, it's important to keep an eye and, and a lens on the pulse of what's happening. 
because you never know what's going to take off, what's an opportunity, where can you expand your reach, your audience, your vision, and your mission. And, and you know, when Web3 came out and T-Space came out, that was another opportunity. And I always try everything, and then I figure it out, um, going from there. But I took my time with it. I was very cautious with it. You know, the NFT space took off like a rocket ship and then yeah. kind of crashed and burned. But the tech, what it means, the benefits of it, all of that is sound and valid. Like as an artist, to be able to authenticate your work, you know, additional protections and copyrights and royalties and trails, all of that is stuff that any creator, any artist, any brand, should be salivating for because it is an opportunity and i think it's going to rebuild and i think it's going to come back and i i kind of reference it to the early qr code the qr code came out it was genius back then it's genius now it just came out too early and didn't really take on until recently right and i think it was even during the pandemic that it caught even more wind with the hands free and all those kinds of things so it's cool to operate in it and it's cool to see non-tech people, your fans, your audience, trying to learn to continue to get your artwork and gravitate toward your work in that space as well. So I had a cool couple experiences where people were like, I spent eight hours trying to figure this whole thing out, getting money <laughs> to crypto, to Ethereum, and I got my, my NFT. So I think what's most, most important of it all because um, I know there's a lot of sourness out there around it, is if you're already following someone, whether it's me, a Daniel Sharm, a Murakami, a, a Nike, or whatever it is, right? Look at their entire body of work. And if people start shifting and gravitating, taking what they already do in the physical space, in the analog space, and going digital, those are people that you can count on, right? There was a lot of stuff where people were, it was the wild, wild west random stuff was popping up and people got into the hype over the money and i think that's where you got to start figuring out am i doing this because i love it because i follow the artist because i like the yeah. vision or because i'm trying to make a quick flip and you know that's never going to end positively right so that's my uh that's my uh state of the union i guess <laughs> Well, you talk about that in the film we talk about adoption a lot and getting more people into the space and I think that is pretty cool that you had fans of your art go through all the motions because it's not, it's, we talk about all the time, it's not easy. There's a lot of steps and some of it's kind of scary, you know, setting up wallets and. With with your the the love you've put that on lots of stuff. It, it it makes perfect sense, right, for you to be going into this space to reach because you do whatever it takes. I mean, you've got your stuff on bottles, shoes. Um, you, you you put your work wherever you can get it in front of eyeballs, right? Yeah, totally. Um, the the beginning part of that cut off, but I got the back end of it. And, I gave a TED talk and one of the lines in the TED talk is I didn't see a space where love didn't fit. Yeah. I, I could put it on any. Yeah. Um, and it's cool to be able to take something to create something that you can't put it on anything. I just released today, went live with NFL New Era hats, six different teams, two different designs. We just released the, the film for it. And 
made an original song. So now we're putting love in hip hop songs, right? It can go in everything. It doesn't have to just be visual. And it's also important to note that what I'm trying to do here, or what I'm actively doing, because if you're actually trying to do it, is rebranding love because I think it's branded incorrectly. Yeah. You know, we're stuck in the romanticism of what love is. And love isn't just Valentine's Day. Look, it, it isn't. It's not roses. It's not chocolate. The dictionary says it's a strong feeling of affection. I'm sorry, but love is so much more than that. And it's not always warm and fuzzies, you know? Making and having the tough conversation is coming from a position of love. So that's what we're talking about here. Being able to put a constant reminder in front of people. You see the word love, maybe you will act less, more loving instead of less loving. Maybe it'll shift you from fear and reaction. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. to a response and a proactive position. And that's what I'm really trying to do is change the world and invite them to choose love, to view the world through love. Because if you turn on the TV, it is a buffet of fear. Yeah. And right now we're in an election year, right? Politics, COVID again, uh, wars across the, the world, the economy's in turmoil. We don't, you know, and, and we, it's easy to think that that's all we have. But the world is so much bigger than that. And if you travel and you see there's people with so much less than I have than we have that are so much happier. Like I'm blessed to be born and raised in L.A., you know, could have been born somewhere else. Maybe we could have been happier. Maybe we could have been less off. You know, at the end of the day, let's take inventory and, and look at the true meaning of gratitude. Not just saying, oh, I'm grateful today. But like, no, I woke up and I took a breath right now. And now I'm on this Twitter space talking like yeah. those little moments all count toward a, a gratitude thing. Well, again, we're, the, the films hopefully are showing the more human side of things, which is everything you're talking about. But speaking of that being human, we all go through ups and downs. You weren't, you may have always been an artist, but you think you got sidetracked with some other goals for a while that sort of, in your words, crashed and burned. And we talk about it in the film, Mm -hmm. Um, but can you give us a little bit of your story, like what you were doing before you picked up uh, a spray paint? Totally. Um, So I'll I'll start off with this. I've always been an artist. So let's just get that off the table. I didn't wake up and think, oh, I can do this thing. I always drew. I did the book covers in school. I was in school art classes won some contests here and there as a kid. So that's always been there, but it wasn't put forefront and center. Hey, you can do this as a living, right? First generation immigrant son, go be a doctor, a lawyer, get into banking, you know, go study, get your degree and go to college. So I went, I did all that. I played three sports and I went to college and I played a little bit of college football and I went and got my degree in exercise science and I was going to become an orthopedic surgeon. That was the plan. And, uh, you know, Luckily, all this chaos came in between all this and led me to here. I ended up not going to med school, and I started going down the path of real estate. Made a lot of money really young. My first month was just under $18,000. You know, I'm 20 nothing, making that kind of money. I am living the dream. And every month, I kept making more and more and more. And obviously, everything comes to an end. Let's talk NFTs. That crashed and burned. So did the real estate market, right? The subprime market. That's what I was in. 2008 comes, I'm out. 
I'm bankrupt. What's happening? What am I going to do with my life? I'm just sitting there. And for the next year, I have to rebuild, rebuild the bankruptcy, rebuild my life. Also got a DUI at the time. This was pre-Uber. PSA, there's no excuse for DUI now. Uber, Lyft, it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, it was a different world. And um, I end up listening to someone else again, and I go into finance, right? Listen to my mom again, listen to my girlfriend's dad at the time, end up at Mass Mutual, and I go down that path. Rookie of the year, leaders conference, doing well. I'm like, oh, great, here we go. I'm rebuilding. The difference is when I was making all that money in real estate, I thought wealth was my success. I thought wealth was my self-love. I thought wealth was measured, escalates diamond watches, you know, clubs with the tables and the whole shebang. Because if you look outside, that that is, you know, American success. Like you got to get things bigger and better and whatever. But when you lose it all, you're like, whoa, this is still me with nothing. So when I went into finance and started making success again, started making money again, five years into this thing, my definition of that changed. I didn't measure money the same way. It's not what was going to define me. Don't get me wrong. I like money. We need money. It's important. And I like nice things. But that's not defining who I am and what I am and what I'm doing in this life, right? My bank account doesn't measure if I'm worthy or not, right? If I love myself or not. So I got really depressed at year five. I'm like, I'm in this thing again where I'm measured by money. I can't do this. This can't be the rest of my life. And then I was judging myself for being depressed and we're talking about like 2012 depression and mental health is not at the forefront like it is today and that's a blessing that it is because a lot of people go through a lot of things and just because you're depressed or going through any mental issues or have trauma or whatever your situation is don't measure your trauma your depression your mental health against anyone else Right? I had a really good life. I just, this is what I was feeling because I couldn't figure out my purpose or what I was going to do. That led me to, to take a like a shop where it led me to meet a buddy that led me to painting a mural. That first mural was Who Will You Be? And I put all the words of what I needed to be. Right? If I'm feeling fear, let me put love on the wall. Joy, humble, leader, responsible, worthy. I am worthy. I am taking responsibility. I am becoming the leader of my life. Right? When we start taking responsibility, we can start controlling the very little we can control in our life. We can't control much, but there's a few things we can. Let's own those things, right? We can control our word and, you know, how we talk to ourselves. So for the next couple of years, I'm still in finance. I'm starting to sabotage finance because I'm like, I can't keep succeeding here. I'll never get out. But what does it look like to be an artist? I painted that mural, another mural, another mural, another mural. And all these were like for free or for pennies. We're talking about like a hundred dollars. It was out of my pocket. Um, or we raised a little bit to get it covered. And one day I finally figured out how to make money at this thing, right? I painted a mural that wasn't really a mural. It was a GT kombucha bottle that was 20 feet tall. We painted four of them. And I'm like, oh, I can get paid for this. And throughout this whole time, I kept painting my messages and my story. I didn't have a quote-unquote brand or a vision or a mission other than like, let me inspire people through art because beige and boring walls surround us and they suck. And if you can put a message on there, that's not the billboard that tells us we're not enough, right? Go freeze the fat. Go get a bigger truck. Go get a new this. Go get a new that. You know, feeding our insecurities and fear. I can put, you are beautiful. 
anything can happen, anything can be, be humble, you belong here, right? So I started changing the narrative that way with the landscape of the urban environment. In 2018, I finally went cold turkey. I said, you know what, I'm out. I gave my current financial advisor my entire book. Here you go, buddy. Have at it. I'm out of here. And from 2018 to on, I have not looked back. There is no plan B. There is no going back. But I will preface it for anyone that, that is kind of struggling with this journey. You can't just quit cold turkey and move on because you might end up back. You need to figure out if you're going to be able to succeed, make money, or replicate any form of, of living with your side hustle, your where you want to go and where you want to be. So that's, that's kind of how we ended up here. But you did it without any you – you just went for it, right? I mean, I know oh, you, yeah. had some, I, you had some proof that it might work financially, but other than that, it's pretty big risk. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I jump off cliffs a lot. You know, I've been very good at building my parachutes. Sometimes I crash and burn, but uh, I, I, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've never had a paying job. I never collected a paycheck from a nine to five. Everything's always been like a nominal um, base something and commission. And yeah. then early on in eighth grade, I had a little side hustle. In ninth grade, I had a side hustle. In college, I had a side I've always just been a little hustler. So in that capacity, I knew I could bet on myself. But when I was going through the depression and the self-doubt and all that, I finally had to say, you know what, Ruben? You don't have an issue generating stuff and creating things. Like, why are you even questioning right now? And I think the question is, as we get older and look for like, one day I want to have a family and one day I want to have this and one day I want to have that, that kind of traps us. Not the vision of having it, the vision of I can only do it one way. So I couldn't do what I was doing. I had to do something else so I could be happy in building the life that I wanted. But I knew that I can generate an income if I put my head down and focused. So if you're not wired that way, that's a-okay to realize how you're wired, you know? And if you do like a job and a secure check, but you're not happy where you're working, go somewhere that you're going to be happy where you're working and don't make it about the amount of money, make it about truly your happiness and your time. Because when you go home to your family, and this is one of the catalysts in my decision, I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. Um, when I made the leap, I did, and she's now my wife. And we have a child and another child on the way. But I started forcing, like, if I stay in this and I'm this angry and this depressed, I'm only going to bring this home. And if I'm bringing it home, resenting that it's a paycheck to support the family, I can't wipe angry a-hole off my face, right? You can't hide it. Like, if you're going to resent, it's going to come out. You're going to be angry. You're going to snap. It may cause a rift in the family. Your kids may resent you because you're like, I'm doing this for you. I'm like, I didn't want that. I didn't want that life. So I was looking ahead. That also helped me make the decision. So not only knowing that I have a track record of succeeding in things that I jump off cliffs for, but also that was less scary than the pain or the risk of turning 50, 55 and not having the family of my dreams and the relationships of my dreams because I would be unhappy. And that would spill over. Ruben, Steve here. Uh, So it sounds like then too that, that you kind of foresaw where that path went and had the foresight to understand that you'd be repeating sort of the same patterns of by, by, by chasing your happiness, you were kind of changing the paradigm. 
for, for all of those elements of family, work, et cetera, that you mentioned? Correct. Um, and I just saw it. I also saw it because I dealt in finance. I meet people, right? And I see their families and I see their dynamics. And I see people that make a lot of money that are not happy or not healthy. Um, you know, I just looked at the history of my interactions with people when I was a personal trainer going through school to get my kinesiology degree you know i had a lot of clients that would talk to me and air out their laundry right it was more of a psychologist than a trainer <laughs> um so all of that was what allowed me to start envisioning what could be and i knew that that was just scarier than taking the risk of the unknown mm. and, and you mentioned with you know, in terms of what could be, you mentioned infusing and changing the paradigm of love and what that means. Do you see it being something you can infuse into, you know, say other other elements like food and conversation? And, you know, is, is that sort of the vision now for where you hope to take the brand around that you've cultivated around love? No, no, great question, because the answer is yes. And it's changing our relationship. Right, like I love. I have a Jordan collection. I hope to have a Jordan collab one day. And but saying I love my Jordans, that's not like love. That's an affection. That's the affection, right? That's the affinity for a brand for something. So loving food, but what what is our emotional attachment now? Is it a healthy attachment? So we're looking at those kinds of things. My love for food is it because I love food travel and the experiences of hanging out with people, or is it because I don't have self love? So I'm loving food to fill a gap and then I'm emotionally eating in a, neg a negative way, right? So there's examples that way. And I'd done a tequila bottle with a custom bottle with love all around it. Love the brand, love the people, love what they stand for. I love tequila. So that made sense. I also want to do things in the sense of what makes sense for me? What can I get behind? Do our values align? Is this something I truly authentically love? You know, another example was BMW. I grew up in BMWs. I learned to drive on BMWs. A couple of years ago, BMW had a multi-year partnership and we called the campaign Driven by Love. And I got to design multiple cars for them and drive an X5 that had love all over it in different shades of black. So those kinds of things also make sense. So as long as the alignment and everything is there and the experience or what we're trying to do as a brand, we can use that. And, and infusing love into the culture right infusing love into hype culture like why do we stand in line for certain things and if we could stand in line for something that says love on it and start wearing something that says love like walk through this exercise this is one thing i always envision if i put a million love t-shirts on people just those million people like wow I, I affected change on a million people but if the average person these are just numbers walks by 30 people a day that's 30 people seeing love that's 30 million people seeing love. That's an opportunity for them to start, oh, choose love in this moment. Oh, choose love in this moment. We're all fallible. I have my bad days. I am not perfect. But imagine walking into Starbucks. This is, this is the Starbucks across the street from the first mural. And this is one of the things I was thinking. They're there at 4 a.m. tired, prepping Starbucks. You go in at 5 a.m. You're angry. You hate your job. You're about to commute for an hour. And you spew all this out onto this poor little barista. That's trying to get you your cup of joe so you can make it to work. But what if 
you come in and instead of like taking all that, you say, you know what, instead of doing it that way, I'm going to switch this and say, hey, thank you for being here. You know, I'm about to go on this commute and this coffee is going to help me get there. <laughs> and I'm going to, it's just how we, we talk or how we frame things. Another one I give is like someone cuts you off on the freeway. First reaction, trust me, I know this is how I used to react. You just want to yell out all the expletives, flip them off, drive up, stare at them, you know, do all the things that people tend to do. But instead, what if you take a moment like, whoa, okay, they didn't hit me. We're cool. Nothing happened. Yeah, I got a little anxious over this. But realizing they didn't cut you off on purpose. In most cases, some people will go cut you off on purpose. That's not what we're talking about. That person did it. Maybe they're late to work. Maybe they're trying to get somewhere. Who knows what their situation is? But when we realize, like, why are we allowing these little things to affect our day and that spews out throughout the entire day? When we can just say, you know what? I hope you get there safe. I know you didn't do that to me. I'm not going to let it ruin my day. That's what we talk about by choosing love and leaning into love and what we're trying to create here, you know? Mm -hmm. And art's a great way to communicate it. Yeah. And, and, and in terms of, you know, what, what love is at its core, you mentioned how people sometimes get caught up in the romanticism of it and the, you know, the feel good nature. But as you said, too, it's also having those harder conversations. And so how, how does the messaging and the reframing of what love is through the art that you're making, how is it kind of encompassing the totality of what love actually is? Well, that's unfolding within everything I'm creating. Like right now I'm writing a book, we create shorts, I'm going to podcast, talk to people like Vicentio, we make a cool film, tell a story, like all this is going to help spread the message. Art is just simple, right? It's the color. It gets your attention and it's just a reminder. Or if it says a saying, right, you belong here, I do belong here, what can I leave behind? It's it's more, it's not just the initial impact of it, because then you want to go in there and dig in and back and get to learn what we're talking about here. But um, art is just the initial non-friction opener. Once people start digging in and figuring this out, they're like, oh, this isn't that. You know? Oh, this isn't that. And my biggest struggle, honestly, is making sure it's landing the right way. Right? I was talking to a buddy and he's like, I love everything you're doing, you know, all of this. I'm on board. I roll with you day in, day out. I'll open every door I can for you. The trick is then when I open the door, making sure that the person on the other side is also understanding it the way I'm understanding it, because they might not be at the level of understanding that I am. And how do you start crafting it that way? So that's what we're trying to navigate now. It's like, how do we make it more laser focused? How do we make it clearer to land? How do we really start delivering what this is? And that's why, you know, I use art. So I think that answers it. Absolutely. Absolutely.
Ruben, so how did people uh, find you? Not not just on social media, but to collaborate, to get a mural made, to have you be a part of their thing. I, I, is they, can they reach out to you directly? Yeah, usually that's what happens. Um, DMs on the gram, they email me. I have a website, rubenrojas.com. You can go in there and see everything, check me out send me a message through email um but it, that's it it's kind of just organic hey is this interesting i mean i'm on linkedin i'm all over the place you, do you, do you, how often do you have mural projects because i know since i've known you you've done two or three i think uh how often do you have mural projects in the work you know it, it depends it really depends it's funny because here's one thing you think the day in the life of an artist is I'm painting 24 seven, 365. <laughs> but like, it started with murals and I do fine art canvases and I've got prints and I've got clothing and I've got sculptures and writing a book and I've got a podcast. So like constantly, the way I look at it now and I would say, am I always creating? Because a lot of it is I'm working in the business and on the business and it's emails and, and setting up partnerships and deals and opportunities. And I find myself not painting as often as you think. And then I judge myself for that. But then I'm like, dude, you're doing it. You're going there. So uh, there was a year that I think I painted 50 murals and then 40 murals and then 30 murals. So early on, it was pretty active, like really out there. And as you grow and continue to grow and you start building a family, the difference is like now things have to really matter, right? What am I, if this is going to take me away from my family, my son, you know, everything. It needs to be painful, important, impactful, huge, you know, like a 10-story mural in Oakland. Unless it's local, then I could just bounce around, pop up, put up a message. And, and I love doing that too, you know? Not everything's a paid project. I like just putting up PSAs and paintspirations, as I call them. You know, I know people will drive by a wall, like the one in the film we're releasing, It's a New Day, uh, that used to say Dreamer. And seven years, it faded, the rain's kind of ruined the wall. And I said to the homeowner, hey, I'll redo this, just fix the wall. And we put up a new message. And what's important about it's a new day, it's, that's a heavy intersection, Wall Grove and Rose. But realizing that any moment in the day, you can just yell out, it's a new day and start over, right? Let's just talk food-wise, if you're on a fitness plan, or whatever the case is and you should be eating your eggs and oatmeal, whatever your thing is. And all of a sudden you're like, damn, I had three donuts. <laughs> okay, cool. Make lunch count. It's a new day. Let me start at lunch, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's not about saying, oh, well, tomorrow. Because tomorrow's not guaranteed. And tomorrow can become tomorrow, can become tomorrow, can become tomorrow, and it becomes. Right? Today is Sunday. Life is now. So if you just reset your day. You can do that. Actually, on the sidewall of it's a new day, I put control, alt, delete. Control your thoughts. Control yourself, alter your thoughts, and delete negativity. Um, I haven't shared it on Instagram yet, but th these are little messages I want to repeat, change, audible, and just remind people. And if it takes you out of your day to day, you're like, oh, that's cool. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. You know? Again, it goes back to what can we control? And if we can control our mindset, we can control how we respond versus react. You so didn't answer really how many murals I do. It, it depends on any given year. Last year, we did three massive mega sculptures, you know, that took months to make also. 
So new paintings, new prints. And then I'm also designing clothes all the time. So a new hood, my clothing, I call it wearable art, right? It's, it's my art on a hoodie. I'm, that's art. So I'm always creating art. Yeah. It's just sometimes people think, is it pen to paper or paint to wall or paint to canvas? I mean, it could be anything. It could be poetry. It could be things that are right and captions and spoken words as well. Do you have a, uh, a dream project that you're putting in the universe that, that hasn't happened yet that you would love to, to do? Oh, I have so many. Thank <laughs> you for that question. Um, here's the mega, mega one right now. I mean, the super crazy one is the first mural on Mars. So, but that, we'll chalk that up to Elon if you let me load it in a rocket. And get it up. <laughs> um, I don't need to paint it up there. I don't want to leave Earth and my family and not come back, but I'd love to send art there. But anyway, the Olympics are coming to play. Um, I've designed outfits for the American athletes years ago. I have mock-ups of them. You know, if people know my love pattern, imagine something like that, but red, white, and blue. And I just feel like this country gets to show up and, and step into love, you know, as a leader, as a powerhouse. And like, imagine if we start leading from that space and imagine if the American athletes walk out with a uniform wearing love. And look, it's not about my ego. I don't have to design it. I think Ralph Lauren, whoever has the contract, they can make it. <laughs> but I want to see that artwork out there or a huge sculpture and opening ceremony. Those opening ceremonies are insane. So imagine like wrapped around a giant sculpture of love and like, yo, we're opening up the opening games. The Olympics is the biggest international meeting of people in this world, all cultures, all walks of life and realizing that we're all humans and we can all circle around one thing, love and competition. So that's a dream right there. Um, and it's in LA, it's in my hometown where I'm born raised i didn't get to experience the olympics when it was here in, in the 80s um because i was a baby <laughs> uh or barely i don't even know if i was born yet or just born. i don't remember exactly but anyway that's a dream obviously collabing with jordan and i like to say that gets closer and closer i always say nike's gonna say just do it like ruben and lift you up it just sounds good i just feel like it's right and a lot of this is throwing it out there, right? Yeah. And this amazing partnership with the NFL and being able to put Choose Love, you know, with fans of these sports teams. There's a sculpture in Buffalo, a sculpture at SoFi, if anyone's seen it. And Choose Love's on the helmets, it's in the end zones, and now we've got these hats that went live today. So those are some of the dream projects, but, but they keep going. They keep going. They keep thinking bigger and bigger and bigger. And where can I keep putting this and pushing the boundaries and, and obviously reach beyond the states and, and further reach into the international markets and things like that. Well, thank you for thank you for doing this and thank you for being in the film. Like I said, it's going to be out tomorrow. We'll push it out. Where can everyone find you on social media and your website? My name. Ruben, R-U-B-E-N, Rojas, Instagram, Twitter, website, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of that. TikTok, I think it's the same with an underscore or something. I'm all over the place. I'm out there. Great. Um, well, we'll put this out tomorrow. Again, thank you for doing it. Um, Steven, thanks for introducing us to Ruben. This has been, it's been a pleasure.
again, I'm Neil Berkeley, along with Matt Lysing. We're Decentral Media. We're also Decentral Media everywhere on social media. Decentral Media, uh, Decentral.io is the link to our website. Um, we'll have this film up tomorrow. Decent days and hopefully many, many more of these to come. Um, Ruben, um, this has been great. Thanks again for doing this. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. One quick question. Yeah. Do we still call this Twitter? <laughs> we call it X. I, I call it, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I have yet to call it X. <laughs> yeah, it's still Twitter.com. Yeah. I just I think it, maybe just the one. I think everyone calls it Twitter. Who knows? But uh, all right. Well, thanks again, man. Uh, pleasure talking to you and um, looking forward to feedback on the film. Thank you. Thank you. Excited. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day.